The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I am your host. Uh, this is the Tuesday, February 25th edition. Got a lot coming up this week. Of course, um, the Combine is going on in Indianapolis. Ryan Wilson will be holding uh, holding down the fort and hosting multiple episodes of said Combine in Indy. Uh, for Wednesday and Thursday, and then for Friday, I'll be on with Wilson, where we look at uh, the quarterbacks and how they perform. We'll mention some quarterback measurements uh, today, I'm sure. We'll also get to uh, you know, news around the CBA. Maybe if you want a full combine preview of myself, Ryan Wilson, and Chris Trapasso, check out Monday's uh, edition of the show. And uh, let's get to it. Got it myself. Anyway, follow the Pick 6 Pod on Instagram and Twitter, at Pick 6 Pod. Funny stuff over there. And um, if you like less funny things on Twitter, follow Sean Wagner at Sean J. Wagner. Uh, or uh, jo- if you like cats, follow John Breach at John Breach. What's going on, guys? You know, Brenton, my tweets are about cats. You know, Brenton, I was going to say, I'm glad you mentioned you weren't in Indianapolis because I thought you were there. And I was like, wow, your hotel room looks exactly like the room that you always <laughs> podcast from. But I guess they didn't send you, which is which is weird. It's the first you time know, hearing of it. First time, first time caller. Huh, yeah. uh, you know what's funny though is I could see Brinson being such a diva that he has his office desk shipped to his hotel <laughs> in a city so that he can have the exact same setup. Well, like I need to feel like I'm at home. That's when I do my best podcasting. Uh, so I'm gonna have everything: the helmet, the NC State helmet, the Memphis helmet, the Augusta flag, all shipped to uh, my hotel. So this is actually not a desk. This is I'm I'm facing a desk. This. Is, uh, I don't even know what you call it. It's not like an armoire or anything. What do you call it? If it's just cabinet. It looks like a dresser. Yeah, it's like a, it's a, it's a, it goes with the desk. It's a file cabinet. You know, so there's file cabinets in there. So. Um, anyway, this is an audio podcast for most people. So actually all people. Great, so they, great start. Riveting start. Um, almost as exciting as spending an hour talking about the collective bargaining agreement, but such is life because, you know, Collecting bargaining agreement is going down. Um, we thought we were going to get a new CBA on Friday. We were prepping for an emergency pod. And uh, instead, it turns out that the players and the player reps did not like – Friday feels like a long time ago for some reason. The player and the player reps did not like the idea of voting. They did not like the proposal that the owners gave them, so they decided not to vote. Um, and uh, they were they ended up not voting at all. 
Jeremy Fowler of ESPN reports that getting two-thirds majority was far from a slam dunk. And as a result, they decided to postpone the vote and will be moving forward over the next week as they sort of figure out what they want to do. Uh, what do you guys think was the biggest holdup for the players in this deal? Because I think it's probably the 17-game season. That, and I think there are a couple. The one thing I noticed that the NFL gave to the players that I thought this was clearly an attempt where the NFL knows the players are going to come back uh, with, like, a little bit of a counteroffer tweak Uh Prince is giving me a weird look. Uh, it's the marijuana testing because they got rid of the fact that you can't get suspended just for testing for THC. Um, but it then leaves open to the question that they could probably still get fined. And if I'm the players reading that, then I think one of the things you're coming back with uh, is why don't we just ban THC testing altogether? Um, and I think that's something the owners probably know they'd be coming back with. And the reason they don't give it all right away is because they're expecting a counteroffer and they want to leave some, some wiggle room and room to bargain. Here's the thing that blows my mind about this entire thing is that literally the Players Association, the players reps spent months, months negotiating this deal with the owners. And so they knew exactly what was in this deal. It's not like any of this was a surprise. And then it's one thing if a guy like J.J. Watt, who's not one of those player reps negotiating this, comes out against it. But for the player reps then to vote six to five against the CBA that they negotiated just makes them look absolutely foolish. Like that just it blows my mind that that happened. Why did you agree to any of this if you were going to vote against it? You know, if they would have gone and every player gets to vote because that would be the next step where every player in the NFL votes and then you just need a a 50 percent plus one to pass it. Uh, you know, if those guys vote against it, that's one thing because they weren't a part of the negotiations. I was just shocked that uh, the player reps voted against this, even though they negotiated and hammered out the whole entire deal. Uh, there were a couple of things that stood out to me. So the NFLPA sent out a CBA proposal fact sheet. So we don't know the full breadth of the CBA. Did we talk about this fact sheet before on the previous podcast for Friday? I don't think we did, right? Um, and a couple things that I noted just sort of like, eh, don't know if that's – that would – they would raise some red flags for me. Uh, one, they get 47% of all revenue, and all revenue is basically uh, TV deals, everything that comes into the NFL. You net it out in terms of all revenue, and then they get 47%. The owners get 53%, um, plus $100 million in new player costs above current CBA for 2020. Uh, then they would guaranteed 48% share of revenue in 2021 with the ability to increase the percentage to 485 through, share through a media kicker, which applies in any season the league plays 17 games. Um, then, and so, so just to point out there, like, so if they go to 17 games in 2021, and that 17th game is worth $100 million for the league or whatever it is, um, like, what, I guess my point is that they're looking at the unknown. They're signing a deal when they don't know what the league is going to get TV-wise for that 17th deal. So, like, maybe it should be closer to 50. I mean, I understand the split is already there. The idea that the media kicker is worth a half a percentage point tells me that the owners believe that that media deal uh, will net them more money based on their share than that half percentage point is worth. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Like, they're clearly – and then the other one is, and it's sort of similar – Gambling definitions that ensures money is included in players' definition of all revenue, including portions of non-football activities. That's the biggest red flag of all to me. Because what are the definite, like, they don't know what the revenue into the NFL is going to be from gambling yet. 
it doesn't count daily fantasy because that's like DraftKings. That goes into the all revenue as far as I understand it. But it's like, what, what are these definitions? Because if the NFLPA screws up and leaves open a loophole for the NFL to find a way to define gambling money as something other than would qualify for all revenue, they could lose out on literally hundreds of millions of dollars. And I would not put it past NFL owners to figure out a way to do that. One more note um, that caught my eye. It's kind of along the first thing you mentioned, the 17th game. I don't know if this was in the fact sheet, but Tom Pelissero of NFL Network uh, did report it. It's that if they go to a 17-game schedule, you have a bunch of players who are on 16-game contracts. And he's reporting that under the proposed CBA, they would get an extra game check for that 17th game, but it would be capped at $250,000. So, like, yeah. you have... Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilsons, who make you know north of thirty million, um, getting paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars for an extra game, which that of course obviously does not seem fair. I'll say two things to that real quick because I feel like whoever leaked that to Tom Pelissero, I don't feel like it got reported the way that maybe the owners would have liked to because they got a <laughs> lot of blowback for that. And uh, but here is what I would have said if I'm the owners is that number one. Uh, according to OverToTheCap.com, there are only 179 players out of 1,500 who would be affected by that, who are getting – because remember, when you're talking about Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, those are quarterbacks, obviously, but most players, when you see those huge deals, $17 million per year, that's not their base salary. That's their average annual salary that includes a huge signing bonus that was probably at the beginning of the contract. So there would be only 179 players in 2020. That's if it implemented in 2020, which it wouldn't because the earliest is 2021. And that number is going to go down from 179 every year because as everybody signs a new contract, they will factor in the 17th game. So I don't think that is as big of a deal as it got made out to be because if 17 games isn't implemented till 2023, there's going to be like 10 players that that 250,000 rule affects. So uh, yeah, yeah, but I'll say this, Breach. So the thing is, you say 2023? Is that what the issue would that, be? That, that was the latest. It's going to be okay. between 2021 and 2023. Well, but so like if they did, so here's the problem too. If you're the, if you're the players and agents and all that, if you go, like if you go into free agency this year and you're negotiating a four year deal, you're, you could potentially get hosed where the deal that your, the deal that your guy signed, uh, ends up being a deal that encompasses years with a 17 game schedule and a 17 game schedule if there are 17 games should not be an extra bonus check like you're 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 getting one extra game check but like that's two weeks of your season that's being added on like to the time that you have to work but and that would be the argument for getting the deal done now if you're the player so that you know for sure yeah 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 so that's why the players and also i think the other interesting thing here that it helps the players a lot because again most of the players don't make more than $5 million. We can talk about, again, J.J. Watt bashing the CBA. Well, J.J. Watt is in rarefied air. Most players don't make that much money. Most players don't make quarterback money. Most of them are at the other end of the spectrum. And so I thought one fascinating thing that would help players and why I think this could pass is because uh, a $90,000 increase for any player who makes minimum salary in 2020. Minimum salary is like 500000 You get $90,000 more. That's a 20% increase. Like who's going to turn that down? And then in 2021, you get another bump between 80K and 105K. So let's say it's 100. Now you're making 190 more. Now you have a 40% bump over two years. And then uh, after 2021, there's a $45,000 increase every year until the end of the CBA. So for the bottom of the barrel players, I mean, this is – I'm voting for this if I'm a minimum wage player. That's that's really 
where I'm going with that. Well, one more, one more thing that I actually, I think a lot of these things are interesting. Like, so fifth year options fully guaranteed for fourth and fifth years at the time the option is exercised. Uh, that's good in the sense that it, you can no longer have an option that is exercised for injury only. And then we haven't seen it much where the team exercised the option and then bails out on it, but you know, they always had that plan, that, that opportunity. Um, but then amount of option dependent on player achievement and no longer based on which slot selected in the first round. Well, if I'm a, if I'm a higher pick who's like on the fringe, like, or you've been like, okay, I'm mad because I don't, I don't, you don't want to lose your fifth year option in that, in that sense. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't think you look at this and think this is a good deal and the player should sign this. I, to me, I would rather push my luck into 2020. I would rather see if the NFL, like, let the NFL go ahead and negotiate the, the television deals. Like, I don't, I mean, like, I don't, I don't see why the NFL I don't want to, you know, we work for CBS, so I don't want to, like, um, you know, I mean, say like, it, Brinson, you're trying your best to get fired. No, 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 no. I mean, no, look, I, I just, if I were, if I were the players, I would be like, look, you go, go negotiate the deals first, then we'll negotiate how much money we're going to be splitting up once we find out how much money there is to split up. Go tell us what sort of gambling revenue the league's bringing in. Cause you know that there's stuff sitting on the back burners waiting to like, like, I guarantee you the league has ideas about how it's going to, flood its coffers with gambling revenue, but they don't want to turn on that flood until they know that the CBA is in place. But the flip side of that is the NFL is trying to negotiate TV deals without the CBA being agreed to is the networks might not offer as much money with the threat of a labor disagreement coming up. If the networks are afraid there's going to be a strike in 2022 that could take out or a lockout that could take out the whole season, they're not going to be inclined to give as much money. So it, it, it almost behooves the players. I, I sound like I'm shilling out for the owners here. I feel horrible. Uh, but if the players agree no, to pr- it Prisco, now. Briscoe couldn't make the podcast, so we need a breach to show up <laughs> and carry water for the owners. Uh, but, yeah, so if you agree to the collective bargaining agreement now, the networks know there is going to be 10 years of labor peace. You start negotiations now because the other part, and this has been hasn't really been talked about, is that – we have a presidential election coming this year. If you start negotiations next year, you generally have TV ratings fall during a presidential election. Ooh. That's happened the last couple. And so you don't want to start negotiations coming off a season where TV ratings went down, which is what would happen if they start negotiations in March 2021 after a presidential. I mean, we can all agree it's going to be a crazy presidential election. It's going to be like 2016. What are and- you What are you saying, Rich? I am saying that it's going to be crazy. Explain. I don't, on, I don't get explain. it. I don't follow. Why As a political so science, uh, major, um, why would it be so crazy? That America is a divided country, Brenton. Yeah, this is going to, it's this election. <laughs> no, no. We got Brenton, we got Brenton talking crap about the owners at CBS. We got Bridge talking <laughs> politics. I'm this, just sitting here. I, 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 I am the new host of the podcast. In a few days. <laughs> yes. Well, welcome to the Sean J. Wagner. <laughs> my God, welcome podcast. to the Lock Shot. The, uh, well, it's like the long shot movie podcast. Um, no, I do agree with you. It is going to be a, um, uh, intense political climate, uh, out there, I'm sure. And, uh, that, that, that's a good point. It will, uh, it will lower. Although last year, uh, in 2016, we got a bunch of ratings because the, the, the election kept mentioning the, uh, the league for various reasons. Um, franchise tag, the window has shifted as a result of these CBA negotiations. Um, Tom Pellicero and Ian Rappaport reported Saturday the tag can now be applied February 27th through March 12th, which is two days later than the original plan. Um, now, teams 
So here's the problem with the new CBA. If there's no new CBA by the time the league, by the time this starts, teams are going to be able to use a franchise tag and a transition tag. If there is a new CBA done, and that's one of the reasons they want to hammer this thing out, is if there is a new CBA, then teams will probably only be able to use one of those tags. And so, I mean, look, if you're the NFLPA, you want the, you want to get the CBA done so that way you can get Derrick Henry on the free agent market, Amari Cooper on the free agent market. You want these bigger salaries that are going to be tied to the next few years. You don't want to be, you know, and like, so that's part of the problem too. Uh, the NFL and NFLPA are expected to meet on Tuesday with the executive, uh, committee in Indianapolis from the scouting combine. And, um, we had the previous tag day, 25th to the 10th. Do you think this affects who we actually see tagged at all breach? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, because uh, I think the two biggest teams that are going to be watching this like Hawks this week are the Dallas Cowboys and the Tennessee Titans, because I think those are the two teams that would be more inclined to use both tags. Obviously, Tennessee is Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry. Uh, the Cowboys have three players to choose from with Dak Prescott, Mari Cooper, and Byron Jones. So if all of a sudden you went from, hey, we were locked in the two of these players guaranteed, we didn't have to worry about it, and you're down to one tag – uh, that completely changes your free agency plans. Like if I'm John Robinson, if I'm the Cal- uh, Titans general manager, like you literally had to like draw up two game plans for free agency, assuming one with two tags and one without a tag. And, and then you have to decide who the more important player is. Do you, do you tag Derrick Henry because there's a bunch of quarterbacks you can sign? Or do you tag Ryan Tannehill because he looked like your quarterback of the future? I mean, that's not an easy decision. And then the Cowboys, I mean, if they tag Dak Prescott, it's going to turn into a whole mess because he probably won't show up for – practice in the spring and Mike McCarthy is going to be mad because his quarterback's not there. It's just going to be a disaster. Do we know what, um, cause I don't know the answer to this. What would happen if the, if a team put two tags on a player on players? So like the Titans place a franchise tag on Tannehill and a transition tag on Derrick Henry. And then the new CBA is worked out after that. I assume it would automatically rescind the transition tag for Henry. Like, I'm wondering, is there a benefit? Cause, you know, the, the, the understand, we have the understanding that on February 27th, these teams can start tagging these players. Is there a benefit, a tangible benefit to placing the tag on multiple guys as soon as possible in the window? Or do you think that these teams will wait until the last possible second, aka March 12th? Typically speaking, they want to wait so that way they can try and act like they're having a negotiation that they're not going to tag a player. Because when you tag the player, oftentimes the player gets upset unless uh, they, they think that it's a good deal for them and they'll sign it right away. I, I, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I wonder what the ramifications of it are bumping it back and whether teams will be like, you know what? We're tagging both these guys and seeing if we can work out a deal. And like, if Derrick Henry got a transition tag, would he immediately sign it? And if he did sign it, would it be, you know, like, what, what's the, I don't know how this would play out. The owners made it sound like last week, because they basically said, hey, look, the player's going to vote on it. The ball's in their court. But they said if the players did not vote to pass the CBA on Friday, that we were going to go forward with the off-season free agency rules from the previous CBA, which means two tags. So I think this basically means they are going to have this figured out before the tag hits Thursday. Either there will be a new collective bargaining agreement or there won't be. And if there is not, then you just – you have the two tags. And if there is, then you don't have the two – like I don't think there's going to be any gray area based on how that statement the owners released on Thursday of last week. It's, it's going to be a black or white thing, but we won't know which way it's going to go until the players vote. 
and as Breach mentioned, if you are a fan of the Cowboys or Titans, you are praying right now um, that there is no agreement so th- so you can keep two of your three players or two of your two players. Mm. Um, I'm trying to see. Florio had something like the NFL owners might have purposely held back certain terms in anticipation of a back and forth because this would be a, you know, this would be a standard negotiating tactic, which is like you kind of work on this plan together and you get to a spot and then it's like, Hey, here's what we'd like. And the NFLPA is like, no, you're like, okay, well, what about this? Like, Oh, well, that's cool. I wish you'd give it to that us in the first place. It's like, no. So it turns out that wasn't our best offer. Um, well, that's what, that's what I was saying about the THC testing. Is that like the NFL probably could be prepared to lessen it even more, but they're not going to give that all up front because they want to be able to offer them something when they go back and forth. Yeah. Um, it, it, as uh, here's the, the the point being is that like you know the the league put this out there and then the NFL turns it, the NFLPA turns it down and then the the, the NFLPA comes back and is like wait we want this and this and this and the owner's like all right that's great let's do the CBA and keep moving like that's sometimes that's the best way to negotiate is to you don't you act like it's your best offer it's obviously not your best offer and you've got a little bit more in your back pocket you're willing to concede so maybe that's the case i just think that the way first of all it was a major red flag to me and i we talked about this a little bit on the podcast but a major red flag to me that the owners wanted to get this done so quickly um secondly i do think that if the owners are this incentivized to try and get it get a deal done by and you know they were what uh february 19th if they were if they were that incentivized to have a a full-blown offer sent to the NFLPA by February 19th there is a deal that will be struck before the new league year you know what i mean like these two sides are too close and the owners are too willing to get it done for this to fall apart yeah, and it's been reported since last summer, I want to say, or last spring even, that this was – I think last spring it was reported that it could happen over the summer. Obviously, it didn't happen over the summer. But I think the belief all along, at least for the last year, has been we're not heading towards a lockout, and this is going to get done probably at least a year in advance. So I, I think you're right. I would not be surprised if it happens this week. Okay. Uh, combine check-in. Uh, well, actually, we talk about a couple of tag candidates first. Um, Matthew Judon. As reported by Jason Lockenfora, our own JLC, months ago, uh, the Ravens anticipate tagging Matthew Judon. Uh, that resurfaced a little bit. This is NFL news is kind of dumb like this. You, you can report something months ago. It's, it's, it's all about like the timing, right? I mean, it's like, it's like breach knows when stories pop with traffic. Like it's not always about the actual story, right? Breach. Oh, show. It's all about timing. All about timing. Yeah. I mean, JLC. Back in November said Philip Rivers and the Chargers are done. A divorce is coming. But then it, it, you have the actual thing doesn't happen until three months later. Uh, you know, it's, it's. Well, and part of the problem too is if you report something in November, there's so much freaking football going on there. Everybody's like, all right, yeah, sure, sure, sure. We'll deal no with No one the cares. They worry about it in four months later. Yeah. Um, here's a list of guys. All right. Let's, you tell me tag or no tag and I'll run through the guys. Dak Prescott. Sean, you go first on these. Tag. You're it. Tag. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, just thinking about calling that. Uh, I agree, tag. They will def- 100% tag him. I would tag him on February 27th with the franchise tag just to like make sure there wasn't and, some. And to your point, like I think it's not necessarily the wrong move for Dak either, is keep writing the tags and keep maxing it out the way Cousins did. I told him that. I, I, like, I straight up, I was like, you should play on the tag, bro. And he's like, he's like, 
what? I was like, I mean, like, he looked at me like I was like, first of all, like, why are you talking to me about my money? Second of all, like. Brenton, that's a look that everyone gives you. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I just sort of blurted out what I was thinking. I was like, you should definitely play on the tag, dude. And he was like, what? I was like, I would play on the tag twice if I was him. Let me ask you guys this about Dak Prescott. Do you give him the exclusive tag or the non-exclusive? Because if you get the non-exclusive, a team could come in and give him an offer, but then you get two first-round picks if he gets signed by another team. But the non-exclusive, you do get a chance to match. Right, right. Are you sure? Are you sure about that? Transition tag, you can definitely match. I'm pretty sure. Okay. If you can match, then yeah, I would absolutely do non-exclusive. What is the difference between then? Because the transition tag, you don't get – you can match, but you don't get compensated. Yeah, no comp- yeah, no compensation. If you That's can match, why. if you can match, then you do that. Cause then it's like the whole, like, you know, Ryan Pace type of Kyle Fuller thing. Then you say, okay, we let him set the market. Um, this is what the mar- market dictated and then we'll, that's what we'll give you. Would you give up Dak Prescott for two? No. I would yes, do. I would. Two first round picks? Yeah. I don't know. If it, it, with this year, with all those quarterbacks in the free agent market, so I can go out and sign anyone I want. Plus I have two first round picks. Yeah, I'm doing that in a second. Wait, so if the Dolphins called you and said, hey, we'll give you uh, five, uh, 18 and 26 for Dak Prescott, would you do it? No, I'd want the uh, the higher one they have. and then five, 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 and five, eight, five, five and 18 or 5 and 26? I would even consider 5 and 26. 5 and 18 absolutely gets the deal done. 5 and 26, I'm on the fence. I'm a what? hard no. Yeah, that's a 18, 18 to 20, five and 20, five and 26. I would consider it, but I wouldn't do it. What about if the Patriots called you and offered But then you could go out and get Philip Rivers or Tom, Br- Tom Brady's playing for $30 million. Yeah, but that's the whole point of the Dak Prescott, but so the whole point money Dak- and getting two first round picks. Yeah. And then in three years, you need another quarterback. Dak and Prescott's no going to be there for you, 10 years. If you win the Super Bowl in 2020, no one cares if you need another quarterback in are, three years. Breach, breach. Are either of those quarterbacks better than Dak Prescott right now? No. Uh, it's Mike McCarthy's system. Dak Prescott's got to learn a new system. So you have a bunch of guys starting at square. And I know that the, the Cowboys are going to implement a lot of what they already have into Mike McCarthy's system. So it's easier for Dak Prescott to understand. But that being said, it's, I, look, I'm just saying you also you, get two first round picks, Sean. Are you, yeah, but, but are the you, hope, the hope when you take, okay. And like with your argument, you could say, okay, you could maybe draft a quarterback with one of those picks, like the top one and group them behind Brady or Rivers. But the whole, of these first round picks and these quarterbacks is you're hoping they develop into a guy like De- Dak Prescott. You stumbled ass backwards into Dak Prescott <laughs> when you wanted um, Paxton Lynch in the first round, and then you're going to give him away. No, and, and, Paxton and, Lynch and, was you're not giving pick. him away. You're getting two first round draft but picks. This is like trading a fifth round pick. And they wanted to draft Connor Cook. Don't forget about that too. The Raiders leapfrogged him and stole Connor Cook, so they had to settle for Dak Prescott. I don't see how you can trade away. A 26-year-old former rookie of the year All-Pro who you got you had for peanuts who desperately wants to be with the Cowboys for his entire career. Who's coming off the best season of his career? I would argue, and 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 finally going to get a decent coach. Right. Like, I, I, I would not. I would I'm not, not saying. I am saying that I would hit Dak Prescott with a non-exclusive franchise tag and take the risk that that could happen. That's all. I'm not I saying they. Just hit Dak Prescott. I was like, that's probably not going to work out. Yeah, uh, yeah a, no. I mean, Dak's going to kick your tail, man. Well, well, Breach could run fast, far away from him because, you know. If, Dak, if, Dak, if Dak spots him like three and a half hours. <laughs> three um, hours and 25 minutes. So, <laughs> didn't, he didn't keep the bib, but that's it. Sure. <laughs> um, 
Didn't buy a t-shirt from the race either. <laughs> Why would you? Hey, Breach, Bre- here's a question. Who can throw a football further? You or Dak Prescott? Um, well, what day of the week is it? And did I, <laughs> did I eat Wheaties in the morning? Did you warm up your arm? How drunk did I get the night before? Well, it's a day of the week, so yes. <laughs> um, the, uh, so with, um, I think that's a good story to like dive into. Like, should the Cowboys explore the idea of trading Dak Prescott? And like, I don't think you should trade him, to be very clear. I wouldn't take the two first round picks for him. I would, but. One other thing real quick, the exclusive tag would be like 33, 34 million and not exclusive would be 27 ish. So there's also a difference in the number. Well, that's the other reason you do not exclusive for negotiation purposes. How many teams come and give Dak Prescott the not, uh, an, an offer sheet if they did not exclusive? Three max. Who are the three? I'm trying to think of like I would love the Bears to do it, but they don't have first round picks. So yeah, the, I I think the Dolphins would be a candidate. The problem is then you have to sign Dak Prescott to a contract. That's not a. I mean, we've been saying for a while that the Cowboys should have given him the contract a year ago. So I don't think that's a. The Bengals should do it and draft Chase Young first overall. Or do you have to Ooh, give up the? Or do you have yeah. to give up the first overall pick? I guess. Preach. Would you do that? Would you trade the first overall pick for Dak Prescott? No. You'd rather have old nine-inch hands, Joe Burrow. The guy who doesn't want to play for the Bengals? Although I do think that is an interesting – Dak Prescott for the number one overall pick straight up would be a completely fascinating dynamic. Prince, you should write an article about that. What about – I mean the Titans? I think you could make an argument either way because if I'm the Cowboys, if I'm the Cowboys, you don't want to start all over with Joe Burrow. Like you have a proven commodity. You don't want to start over with an unproven (laughs) commodity. Yeah, yeah. thanks for making the same argument Sean and I have been making for the last five years. No, that's different because with the if you lose the two first-round picks, I'm saying you go out and sign a veteran. Tom Brady's not an unproven commodity. It's not the same argument. But if you do the number one pick thing, you're probably taking a quarterback if you're the Cowboys if you just trade away Dak Prescott. Uh, The Titans are a team that could do it. Let Tannehill walk, give up two first-round picks, and go get Dak and put him in, and then, and then franchise Dak tag Derrick Henry. Ooh, that would be fun. And just run RPOs all over people. Um, the Broncos would have to consider it. I like Drew Locke, but they'd have to consider it. The, Ra- How about the Raiders? Raiders. The Raiders. I feel like the Chargers. Dak every, would be all, Dak literally would be, every single team that does not have a franchise quarterback would, should consider it. Panthers? Debo, don't you agree the Eagles should consider it? Uh, he said no. He's not even talking to me. He won't even talk. He won't even answer the question. Um, the Panthers. The Redskins wouldn't do it. The Pan- I mean, the, the, I think the Panthers would have to. I don't think the Panthers would do it because they have two high first-round picks. But, like, that's something they would have to consider for sure. Um, the Buccaneers. That yeah, would be awesome. He'd be Bruce, good in Bruce Arians' yeah. system, too, yeah. Um, I think he'd and, be good uh, in most systems if he was good in Jason Garrett's system for a number of years. So Probably fair. I mean, if you're the if you're the 49ers, would you at least think about cutting Jimmy Garoppolo and giving up two firsts for Dak? I would. I, I would. I don't think they would, but I yeah. would. I mean, I would. I, I mean, I would have a discussion about it, like an internal him, discuss- and, him and Kyle Shanahan's offense. Ooh. Yeah, he'd be good in that in that offense. I mean, what about well, the Vikings have Cousins with one more guaranteed year left, so they can't do that. I mean, what about the Packers? They wouldn't, but. That would be send Aaron Rodgers to Dallas so he has to go work with Mike McCarthy again. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's a pretty small, there's a smaller the Steelers, list. The Steelers, Roethlisberger's getting old. The Lions, there's stock that they want to move on from Stafford and they want to give up the third overall pick too. All right, I'm going to write a should the Cowboys trade Dak 
article, unless you want it breach. For the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. SEO approximation. Uh, okay, that tag discussion got derailed very quickly. Chris well, Jones. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say you could just make it your next mock draft. Yeah. Oh, that, I'm doing it. I already called it. Uh, mine's, due on, mine's due on Thursday. I only do one mock draft a year, so I'm going to take all Brinson's headlines and combine them into one for mine. Who do you have, who, wait, wait, Breach. You do one mock draft a year. Who are you going to have the Bengals taking after Joe Burrow refuses to play? Joe Burrow. Uh, Chris Jones, tag or no tag? Tag. Thank you. Thank you for stepping in to Sean, the void that Sean left in our lives. The fact that he took more than two seconds to think about it shows why he can't be a general manager. He'd yep. melt. I think there's more reasons than that. Crumble under the pressure. Um, I will say, I will say tag. Lack of institutional knowledge about football. (laughs) I will say tag, but it wouldn't surprise me if they gave him a long-term deal. I kind of feel like his value is only going to increase every single season as they continue to win Super Bowls with the greatest quarterback of all time, and he continues to play well. I would tag Chris Jones. He's very good. Justin Simmons. Tag. I think that's, I can't remember who reported it, but it seemed like there was no way that he's going to get to the market. Yeah, tag. Yannick Ngakwe. I agree on Simmons. Tag. Tag. I mean, who reported today that his like contract demands is twenty two million? I think, or that's what he's looking for, which is Demarcus Lawrence money. And I understand why someone would give him that. He's twenty four years old and seemingly has his best football ahead of him. But that's a steep amount for the Jags to pay. I think you tag and see what kind of season he has in twenty twenty. I agree with that, Sean. You can be the general manager of the Jaguars. No, but not the Chiefs. I don't want to be the. Ugh, I have to move to London and. Ouch. Austin Hooper. It, Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper and Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry. No, 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 no. Okay. No, 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 no. Uh, maybe, maybe. I would say I would yes, yes on tagging those guys. Tagging I would maybe tag Hunter Henry. I don't think I'd tag Austin Hooper. Is this should they or will they? This is should they, Sean. What game are you playing? Will they? Well, just oh. t- just just. Well, no. Wilson's not here. I, we we I, need I a Ryan tag. Wilson on who's just making up his own rules for yeah. our discussions. Right. I uh, um I would tag Hunter Henry. Um I don't trust his injury history. I think you tag him, bring him back for one more year, see what happens. I am inclined to think Hunter Henry will one hundred uh, Hunter Henry one hundred percent will play sixteen games for the Patriots next year or whatever whatever decent team he signs with that's not the Chargers. I would not tag Austin Hooper. I think he's a pretty good player, but I think it's a little bit too much money for someone like him. All right, uh, two quarterbacks, Jameis Winston and Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill, yes. Jameis, no. Tannehill. Ah, man, that is difficult. I think Jameis, no. I do agree with that. I don't think you can give Jameis $34 million for one season. I don't think there's any way to justify that. Tannehill, man, I'm on the fence. I, you know, I, I see how negotiations are going with Derrick Henry. So I'm talking to Derrick Henry's agent. Seeing if we can afford both. This is assuming we only have one tag, or do we have two tags in our situation? Uh, you only have one. So there's no transition tag to use? Correct. Yeah, I'm probably – I'm not franchising Tannehill. Are you and trying I, to sign him to a like a two-year deal? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, and finally, Brandon Scherf. Whoa, Brinson. You don't get off that easy, man. What do you – uh? Who are you tagging there? Jameis uh, and uh, Tannehill. I would tag um, – well, it really depends on what happens with some of these free agent quarterbacks. Like, I don't know that I – see, I think the problem is if you tag either of those guys, you're you're basically 
saying we're going to be pot committed to give him a long-term deal, right? I know that's not how it works with a one-year contract, but I feel like if you play out – like I don't think Tannehill and Jameis Winston are going to play so poorly next year that, that it's just like, oh, we just definitely can't tag – can't sign these guys long-term. I think if you tag if you tag them, you are saying we want you to be our guy for the long haul. And so that's a little bit of concern to me. I would almost rather try and go find a bridge. Like if I'm the Titans, I'd rather go try and sign Tom Brady and see if we can get him to make a run or even Phillip Rivers. I think either one of those guys gives those teams a chance in a, in a, in a year that's going to be pretty crazy in a division, two divisions that are wide open. I think those guys give a chance to go to win something big more so than Tannehill and, and, and Javis Winston do. So I would rather sign a veteran and try and figure out something down the road as opposed to going all in on, on these, you know, on the guys that, you know, we don't know about. But I would not be surprised at all if Tannehill and Javis Winston are tagged. Yeah. Brandon Scherf, I don't think he gets tagged, but I would tag him. He's very good. And uh, AJ, I would, what? Okay. I would give him a long-term deal if I were them. Like I think he's at the perfect age where it's like 28. This makes sense for his last big contract. Uh, you've got Dwayne Haskins, unless they draft a different quarterback, um, that you should be prioritizing protecting him. You have an uncertain future with with Trent Williams, even though it seems like he might be playing in 2020. It sounds like it's trending that way now that Ron Rivera's there. Uh, but he's in the final year of his, his deal. I don't think you can be afford to lose Scherf and Williams within a, a year or two um, when you have someone like Dwayne Haskins. So I would – by the way, Redskins have the seventh most cap space. So it's not – the money's not a problem. Do it. Okay. Yeah, and you have – Dwayne Haskins, so you don't want to – if you're going to play him and you're going to start this this new quarterback, you can't kill your offensive line. You've got to keep your talent, and so I would franchise him at the minimum or do what you guys do and said, uh, sign him to a long-term deal. All right, one more. A.J. Green. <laughs> no. A lot of money to give a guy who's always injured. Or is he, is he always, or is he, is he, is he always injured or did he just sit out the season because the Bengals were trash and he knew that he wasn't going to play? I try to trade AJ Green before the draft. Some, so sometime in the next few weeks and he's not under contract. Well, then I franchise and tag and trade, tag and trade, tag and trade. There you go. Brinson. I I agree with breach the, and I love AJ Green and like he'd be huge for Joe Burrow, but he just doesn't match up with the Bengals timeline anymore. The problem for a tag and trade, and I don't, I don't hate the idea, but the problem for a tag and trade is that you are locking him into a specific salary. And so that team, whoever trades for him is going to have to work out a long-term deal with them. Like we saw there's a, last season. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of moving parts. Like it's not, this is not a 27 year old pass rusher who is about to hit an unrestricted free agency. It's like a 32, you know, he hadn't played since last, since 2018. Right. What do you think they should do? I would, uh, if you think, I mean, I would, I don't know if I want to sign him to a long-term deal. He's like one of the best players ever in franchise history, though. I would just let him go to the Pats. 18.5 million. Is let him walk. Wide receiver franchise tag. I don't think you can tag him. Like, cause I, I don't, if you don't want him, I don't think you should tag him because I think it's gonna be hard to trade him on an 18.5 million dollar single year guaranteed deal. Like, you have to be able to absorb the cap space and to, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a, I don't know. Why wouldn't the Patriots, assuming the Patriots get Tom Brady um, or Andy Dalton, um, why wouldn't they do that, though? Because, like, their entire window is right now, right? Like, they've got to go all in right now with Tom Brady. Why not just eat the 18 million? Well, what do the Bengals want return for him? A second-round pick. That's not happening. What? 
What? Nobody's going to give you a second round pick for a guy who just tagged, who's a 32 year old wide receiver. Someone will if they're desperate. Well, the Patriots won't because they traded theirs for Mohamed Sanu. <laughs> <laughs> and AJ Green is better than Mohamed Sanu. Sanu is their, their quarterback right now, actually. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, interesting. All right. The green thing will be complicated. We'll see how that plays out. The Bengals also don't really use the tag a whole lot, right? No. They don't want to pay that much money to someone. Yeah, it's, yeah, because they know it's a fully – if I'm A.J. Green, I am sprinting to sign that deal. One year, $18.5 million to play for the same team, knowing I can sit out and they can't do anything about it. Um, all right, let's take a break, and when we come back, we will talk about the combine measurements in Joe Burrow's tiny little hands. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, so we got quarterback measurements, and of course... We can't sit back and wait for the combine measurements to come in and collect all the data from the full combine to give you winners and losers. We need winners and losers right now. Uh, Chris Trapasso, who was on the show yesterday, gave us some winners, including Jordan Love out of Utah State, uh, measured over 6'3", 224 pounds, 10 and 4 eighth inch hand size, my, and an 80 inch wingspan. He is going to get drafted much higher than he probably should. Uh, yeah. I mean, how high do you think he was going to get drafted? I think he's probably a first rounder. So what do you do? Move into the top 15 with his measurements? Ten and, four eight, 10 and four eights is freaking enormous hands. Does that matter? Yes. There are like a lot of hand size truthers out there in terms of quarterbacks. I am not a hand size truther. Same. I yeah, was I would, about to defend Joe Burrow on this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a hand size truther either if I was a Bengals fan with the number one pick and B- Joe, baby Burrow, baby so, hands Burrow. All right, so let, let, let me say this, because I remember, like, when Jared Goff was in college, fumbles were a big issue with him. Uh, every time he played in the rain, which isn't very often because he played at Cal, but when they went up to Oregon or UW, he could not hold on to the football, and that was, like, an issue. And then he went to the combine, and he measured at nine inches, which is what Burrow measured at, correct? Yes. Um, which is on the very small side. So I looked it up. Since Jared Goff was in the NFL – He's had 35 fumbles, which is the fifth most among quarterbacks in that span. That said, the the league leader in that span is Carson Wentz with 48. Carson Wentz has fumbled 13 more times than Jared Goff. Both of them have played roughly the same amount of games. They've missed a lot of games for different reasons. Uh, Wentz had 10 in chance. So, and that's regarded as a good size. Uh, Jameis Winston had nine and three eighths inches hands, which is, um, pretty small. Uh, he is second in that span in fumbles. That said, I think we could attribute that to his style of play, which is very reckless and less to do with his hand size. And you, you go down the list. Russell Wilson has the fourth most fumbles in that span. 
he has huge hands. I just I don't understand what hand size indicates or like what. Uh, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I don't know why it would matter, and I don't think it's a good enough reason to justify not taking a quarterback or moving them up or down the board. The according to ESPN stats and information, the length from pinky to thumb was tied for the smallest among first round quarterbacks measured at the combine since 2008. Ryan Tannehill and Jared Goff, the others with that hand size, were both instructed by current Cincinnati Bengals coach Zach Taylor. So maybe Zach Taylor loves tiny little hands. You know who had big hands? I think the biggest of the last 10 years, Ryan Mallett. He's a superstar. That's why he couldn't get his alarm clock to work. His like fingers are too big. He'd knock, oh. o- he'd knock over the clock trying to hit the snooze. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, by the way, nine and a quarter inch hands. So not the end of the world. Um, over the past 10 years, again from ESPN, a mere three quarterbacks with nine-inch hands have attempted more than 300 passes. Goff, Tannehill, and Chad Henney. During that span, none of them have a total QBR above 55. I, at least it's a red flag. It's, stop it. This is the hand size thing boils down what I hate so much about draft season. We have all this data on all these players, so much film to go through, and we're going to go look at their hand size, and then we're going to go see how fast they run at 40 yards in a straight line, something that players almost never do in the NFL. This is just representative of what I hate about draft season. Uh, I hope Ryan Wilson's having fun, though, in Indianapolis. He's doing good, important work. Uh, John, so- stop hating on draft season, man. I will tell uh- you that uh, two of the quarterbacks who were in the final four of the NFL this year were nine and a quarter or lower Brinson, Jimmy Garoppolo, 9.25 inches, Ryan Tannehill, 9.00 inches, as you just mentioned. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to throw that little nugget out there and, and go to the side and, and count my Joe Burrow AFC championship rings. Wait, wait, so, I'm, I'm sorry. Give me that stat again. The two I'm not, quarterbacks. I'm not going to give it to you again because you weren't paying attention. So your argument for the quarterbacks with small hands – in in the playoffs, you mentioned two of, of twelve, right? Two of twelve quarterbacks in the playoffs. Uh, one Ryan Tannehill, who attempted 286 passing attempts this year, and was behind Marcus Mariota when the season started, and only came in and, and dominated thanks to his legs. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, who, I mean, you're gonna say Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy? Is that the answer? I am saying that there were two quarterbacks in the championship game round that had. Hand sizes that were under nine and a quarter inch. That's all I'm saying. You can interpret that fact however you would like. All right. So those guys both had bigger hands than Joe Burrow. That's good. Good news. No, Ryan, wanna, Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill's tied. I do want to point out that this hand size thing sometimes isn't even like an exact science. Like when Jared Goff was coming out at the combine, he measured at nine inches. At his pro day, they measured him at nine and one eighth inches, and he was like, "I literally have no idea why my hands grew." Like I'm doing the exact same thing on every measurement. Hand so. stretches. Uh, by the way, even smaller hands than Joe Burrow. Our boy Jake Fromm, Jake from from State Farm, eight and seven eighth inch hands. Look, evaluators care about hand size. They do. Well, that's fine. Evaluators thought Lamar Jackson should play wide receiver. So, well, Lamar Jackson should win the first. Evaluator. Yeah. Um, Other winners: Justin Herbert, ten inch hands, six six. Ooh, big boy, two hundred (laughs) thirty six pounds. Anthony Gordon, Jalen Hurts, and uh, Tua. Tongue o via loa. I did it. Uh, that was close. I'm not going to give you a hundred on that one. Please, that was I did it. Um, 
Notable wide receiver and tight end measurements. These are winners and losers from Josh Edwards, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, Donovan People Jones, and a loser, Jerry Judy. Again, these are just based on their measurements. Jerry Judy, 6'1, 193, 76 inch wingspan, not huge. Um, Brandon Ayuk, uh, 5'11, but had an 80 inch wingspan. That is freak show. And, uh, T. Higgins, 81 inch wingspan. I mean, basically, when you do a winners and losers, it's like, who has long arms? Like, and also, did, could we have sort of known this? We didn't get these numbers from college. Notable tight ends, winners again from Josh Edwards, Cole Komet. Uh, he checked in 79 inch wingspan, 6'5, just under 6'6, 262 pounds, big boy. And, uh, Jacob Breland, 78 and an eighth inch wingspan, 32 and 5 eighth inch arms, 6'4 and 252. And a loser, Harrison Bryant, who had, uh, only a 76 and 4 eighths. Seven, uh, 76 and a half, guys. Four eights? Who's, who's putting this, this chart together? Um, <laughs> Math is not CBS Sports' strong suit, so. Okay, so I have a, I have an exciting surprise for you guys. Oh, no. oh boy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like surprises. You shouldn't. This is the Big Six Podcast Wonderlick. You guys had no idea it was coming. You're about to take Wonderlick oh, no. questions. I want like four. We talked about this. I slept four hours last night. This is not the conditions that I want All to right. take a wonder look. Sean, oh, Jesus. ready? Let's go. I don't want to. This is bullying. All right, Sean. <laughs> okay, we post it on Twitter. If it's really low, make fun of them and say. No, I, I have. We have uh, six total questions, three for each of you. We'll all the, pro- the problem is that I'm a. I'm a. I just want let, let the record show. I'm a visual type of learner, so listening to Brinson talk about it, I'm not going to do as well. But okay. What is the next number? In this sequence. Oh, that's easy. 41. You haven't even heard the sequence yet. <laughs> Four, here, there's a sequence. 41. You can write it down, Mr. Visual Learner, if you want. All right, all right, all right. Uh, so 41, okay. 29, 35, oh, God. 23. And I have four choices for you. Is it 30? Is it 29? Is it 31? Or is it 27? It's 29. That is correct! That was easy. Boom! Boom. That was easy. Sure, I don't know why it was 21. Um, for breach, which three of the following words? Oh, this is way harder. He got numbers, I get words. We, we work in words. We're writers, breach. Come on. Yeah, but you got football scores for numbers, so you can keep track of those easy. Which three of the following words have Similar meanings. Oh boy. Three words. Neglectful. Attentive. Distracted. Oblivious. And calculated. Three of those words have similar meanings. Neglectful. Distracted. And oblivious. That is correct! You know what the worst part about this? Eat it, Sean. You know what the worst part about this breach? Brinson's not getting tested, and he's probably the one that would flunk it. Oh, don't worry. There's going to be a test for Brinson later this week. Now that All right, we're doing Sean, this. your it's next good. question. The bill comes for dinner. It the, is the, oh, the, the bill. bill. The oh, check. Whose bill? The check, no. <laughs> the bill Belichick. The, the, check, the check is $19.56. You guys picking numbers for me is really not fun. Okay, $19.56. You pay, you pay $50.01. How much change should you get? A straight up math problem. You just, yeah, just, just, you're just asking me to do a math problem. Just subtraction, buddy. <laughs> That's all it is. 
I'll do it in my head. I'll, no, I'll do it in my head to make it uh, to make it more fun. Thirty dollars and fifty-five cents. Forty-five cents. Oh, yeah. oh, I not done it, it in my head. All right, breach. How many continents are there? Seven. Correct. Uh, that's because I'm watching One World Seven Continents on BBC. Thanks for that hookup, BBC. That was actually a multiple choice question, but I wasn't going to give him the choices. <laughs> I didn't need the choices. All right, I know Sean, all the continents. Your final question. Fortunately, it doesn't involve math. Yes. If sales tax is six percent and you oh buy a shirt God. for twenty five dollars, what the hell is this? If sales tax is six percent and you buy a shirt for twenty five dollars, how much do you owe for the shirt? Twenty six fifty. This is mean. Okay. You didn't hear Bridge yell out the answer? No. Wait, is it multiple choice? Yeah, I already figured it out because I'm smart. Oh, yeah, I guess it is multiple choice. $2.25. Why are you give me the continents and you're giving him this? The multiple choice? I got it with all the math questions. I got it without any answers. This is targeting. I just took the math one, so you should give him the next one. I got that right. That's right. Bridge did yell it out. You got to get the next one. All right. For Sean, what month is five months after March? <laughs> August. Correct. All right, you guys did perfect. For the, for the, no, we, we we missed one. Sean missed one. Oh, the, Sean missed one. Now I literally counted with my hands and mouth the months. Yes. I think it's August. Uh, no, I'll give Sean credit. He did the thirty. He did it right. I mean, actually, no, you did it so wrong. You missed by ten cents. I guess. I did try to do it in my head though, because I was I was like, this is actually too easy if I just write it down. Yes, uh, Debo pulled those from WonderlickTestSample.com. If somebody wants to go out there and check them out, you guys were actually really fast answering them, uh, 15 seconds each, and you were underneath the total time. So good job by you guys. Excellent work, smarty pants. All right, finally, our final segment. Forgot to tease us at the beginning. Um, rumor that the Green Bay, the Green Bay had been awarded the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, turns out that was not true. Um, but Green Bay is, quote, aggressively committed to trying to get the draft in the future. So the question is, what would be the top five most desirable NFL draft cities um, from 1965 to 2014? It was in New York. I loved it. New York. In 2015, it went to Chicago for two years. I loved years. it in Chicago. I was hated it. Hated it. I loved it. In 2017, it was in Philadelphia, 2018, Dallas, and 2019 in Nashville. This coming year, in just a few months, it will be in Las Vegas. Then it's heading to Cleveland because what doesn't go together like Las Vegas and Cleveland? Uh, 2022 TBD and 2023 Kansas City. So uh, we each have a list. Let's go through um, Breach. Give us your, your – from number five to number one, what are your top five cities? Well, here is my first – I wasn't sure if we're out of the list cities that have already been listed because I would just put Vegas down five times and maybe Nashville in there once. Uh, but I made my list assuming we cannot go back to a city that has already hosted a draft. So that got rid of everything you just mentioned. New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Dallas, Nashville, Vegas, Cleveland, Kansas City. So here are my top five cities. Uh, my bonus city is – Anywhere in Ohio. I think they should move to Canton, Cleveland, Cincinnati, because those teams have the number one pick every year, and those fans would enjoy it the most. I think we are on the third straight year, maybe fourth, of an Ohio team having the top overall pick, because Cleveland 
had it a couple years in Cincinnati or whatever. It's it's been a lot of number one picks for Ohio teams. Okay, number five, San Francisco. Since they don't actually have a team, but they have to pretend like they do with the 49ers, I think it'd be fun to give them the draft. You have a lot of iconic things out there. The Golden Gate Bridge where you could set up the draft stage. No one in the city would care, but I do think tourists would show up, and you could get hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, number four, I think a draft in London would be awesome. I don't want to see London host the Super Bowl. Too weird, too many uh, time differences, but I would love to see the draft in London. I think that's one event we could the NFL could give them. And would make sense. Number three, and this is the city I think will be hosting it in 2022, Los Angeles. Obviously, they're going to have a whole new campus out there with the stadium, NFL Network headquarters, uh, a whole retail area, hotels. It's going to be crazy. Stan Kroenke is like, the Chargers aren't making me any money, so can we please have the NFL draft here so I can get some of this money back that I just spent on the stadium? Number two, New Orleans. I think New Orleans should always be hosting stuff. Plus, today's Fat Tuesday, and I am in the New Orleans spirit because uh, Mardi Gras. But always, anytime you can put a party in New Orleans, you should. And number one, I can break my Speedo back out because we're going to South Beach and having the draft in Miami. Mm, good Speedo talk. Uh, I like the idea of New Orleans. What about your uh, What about your list, Sean? Yeah, I'm kind of annoyed I forgot to put New Orleans on mine. Um, I did not follow Breeze's rules, so uh, I could I could pick cities. I asked Debo. Debo gave me the instructions. I followed Debo's instructions. Uh, number five, I did Seattle. I had to rep my hometown. And here's the thing, is if the CBA gets passed and they have to – we talked about how they might have to bump back everything, including the draft. I think if it gets later and later, Seattle becomes a much more viable location – you don't want to be in Seattle from, like, October through April. It's just very gray, very drizzly. Summer in Seattle is probably my favorite season anywhere um, in the world. Um, I think it's beautiful. It's not too hot, but it is warm. You don't, It stays light until, like, 9 p.m., uh, so, so that's great. For Kansas City, uh, I've never been to Kansas City. However, I have had Joe's Kansas City Barbecue sent to me, and it was the best meal I've ever had. That was barbecue food. Uh, sorry, Brenton. I've been to the pit in North Carolina. was not as good. Uh, it's quite all right. You just called it barbecue food. So I'm sure everyone trusts your opinion on barbecue. Well, I mean, I'm from Seattle, and I live in Oakland. So uh, four would be Kansas City. Three and two is New York and Chicago, two great cities. I'm a big fan of the city of Chicago. Number one is Las Vegas. I mean, that's where they should just have it every single year. I think Breach mentioned that, too. Like, it should just be in Vegas. It's walkable. Um, there are activities to do that are fun. Seen, you haven't seen what's happened in Vegas yet. Yeah, what if somebody falls in the lake and, like, has to get the Heimlich maneuver because they're drowning, Sean? It could be a disaster. Sounds like we should prepare and practice the Heimlich maneuver. Uh, well, maybe we should. And I will say that Sean doing all those repeat cities, that is a classic Sean move. But I do like Seattle. is actually split between Seattle and San Francisco, and I went San Fran. Hmm, that's a good choice. Uh, so uh, I, in a classic Brinson move, have completely changed my list as the um, as as we're starting to go. It's not video. I can do whatever I want. It's my list. And Debo just chatted. He's like, did you really just change your entire list? I did. Um, so number five. Also, should I do one or five first? What do you think? Five. You always do. Yeah, that. start at five. Okay. Uh, number five. Indianapolis. I almost picked that. It's an incredible city. I love being in Indianapolis at any time of the year. 
any time I have a chance to go to Indianapolis and spend time in Indianapolis, whether it's for the Combine or the Super Bowl or anything, I love going to Indianapolis. So I'm always disappointed when I don't get a chance to go to Indianapolis. Uh, that's why the draft, the draft would be great there. It's, everything's walkable. Uh, the people are so friendly. They have, it's like a, I just, I just love the city of Indianapolis. So, uh, any chances to get back there would be incredible. Um, number four, Vegas. We haven't seen it there, but I am on, I'm on board with the idea with the draft in Vegas. I think it's going to be great. I four? Love yeah. Well, here's why it's four. I'm a little worried about me going to Vegas and having to work. Work Vegas doesn't sound as much fun as not work Vegas. I can already see the NFL Draft podcast where Brinson is hosting from his office in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we're all in Vegas, and there was some like liability issue. We couldn't send Brinson <laughs> because he wasn't going to be safe. Sorry, Brinson. You're not going to be there. I, I mean, have you ever have you ever worked? You guys, you, you cover the Super Bowl in Vegas. Right? I spent an entire week covering the Super Bowl in Vegas, yeah, but, and it was the most insane week that I've ever, I can't even it, I can't tell stories from that week because it was too insane. Right, but like that's the whole problem is like you. You don't know in Vegas, like you do know in Vegas, you could go huge, but you don't know, like you don't know how it's like. You could just end up randomly going huge, and then you have to work the next day. It's not, it's not <laughs> ideal. Like that's what I'm saying. Isn't no, that? Is it? But isn't that kind of what happens whenever we get sent anywhere? Yeah, but it, but that was my whole point about Vegas. It's like when we went to Nashville, at least they'd be like, "Well, it's two a.m. or four a.m. Like the bars are closing in Vegas. They're like, but like you can like all of a sudden it's just lighting. Well, wait, wait, hold on. That that's a good point because not only. Uh, you're also on Pacific time where, you know, we do our draft coverage. It would be 1230 or one. The night's pretty much over at that point. So I think except for the last night, we just, you know, went back to our hotel in Vegas. The draft is over at 9 PM. The yeah. night's still young and none of the bars close yeah, uh, that time, is, yeah. is a recipe for disaster. Exactly. And Ryan Wilson's up doing those 8 AM, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 5 AM Pacific, 5 AM Pacific stumbling behind him. Like, ah, go to bed. Um, <laughs> Nashville, number three for me. I loved Nashville. I think Nashville is an awesome town. I thought the vibe for the draft was perfect because it's like a fun, you know, it's like an off season fun thing to do. And, um, you know, just the scooter thing. Was that great? No, not great. <laughs> but, um, other than that, I thought that the, that Nashville is a fantastic place to do it. Number two, New Orleans, because New Orleans is my favorite city in America and it has the best food in the country, the best music scenes in, in the country, and it's just an awesome place to hang out. I thought they should have the Super Bowl every year. Um, you run into the same issues in Vegas, or in New Orleans, as you do with Vegas. So, you know. Um, and then number one, New York. Put it back in New York. It was great in New York. I loved it in New York. I loved the pageantry of Raising Your City Music Hall and the idea of how it was built up and the, like, spending – Eight hours on a Saturday in Radio City Music Hall, you're just completely discombobulated, like sort of melting down, don't really know where anything is, and you're just like you're grinding through the seventh round of the draft. It was some of the, the most fun times we ever had. Also, um, my first draft covering it, uh, my first year with CBS was 2000, the 2011 draft. And so, uh, I got to go like with the, see pa the Panthers take Cam Newton number one overall, my first time ever covering the draft. It was pretty wild. Uh, so I will say New York is, is up there. And obviously New York has lots of fun things that you can do. So those are my top five. Good list, guys. Good show. Fun show. We will, uh, be back tomorrow. Ryan Wilson will be holding it down, uh, hosting. And, uh, Wilson actually just texted and said his number one draft city is also Indianapolis. Because he loves Indianapolis too, and that's why that's why he went this year to the combine. That's, that's why he went to the combine in Indianapolis. A wonderful place to be. So let's get out of here. Great show. Talk to you guys. Ryan will be back tomorrow and Thursday, holding it down. 
Uh, Ryan and I will break down the quarterbacks throwing from the combine. Well, I mean, he'll be at the combine. I'll be at my house. We'll look at the quarterbacks throwing on television and talk about them for Friday's show. Uh, if anything happens at the CBA, of course, we'll have an emergency podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Subscribe, rate, review. Talk to you later. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Weeks.